Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Johnny Carson once interviewed Betty Davis and asked if she had any advice for young starlets wanting to get ahead in Hollywood. She suggested take Fountain. Fountain Avenue runs parallel to Santa Monica and Sunset Boulevards in Hollywood and is often used to avoid the heavier traffic. And isn't that what we're all after? A smooth run. No hold-ups, not only in traffic, but also in life. How do people handle those hold-ups, the rejections? How do they create a life in the entertainment capital of the world? How do they identify and express their uniqueness in a place where hundreds of thousands are hoping to do the same? Welcome to Take Fountain. Compelling stories from passionate people who've made it, are making it, in Hollywood, writers, comedians, actors, filmmakers. I'll talk to anyone with a story to tell. Welcome to Take Fountain, a podcast of passionate people working on their dreams. Compelling stories from Hollywood. Your host, Ella James. Welcome to Take Fountain. My guest today is Scout Durwood, a cabaret singer, actor, fabulous funny person, singer, just blew me away from the moment I first met her several years ago now. Welcome, Scout Durwood. How are you? I'm great. How are you? My internet just did a weird hiccup, but hopefully it'll it'll not do that again. <laughs> okay. That'll be fine. We'll we'll deal with anything. I'm gonna bring my fan on board and featuring my fan. <laughs> Because, of course, you know, we make it look like we're doing this from a TV studio, but it's my bedroom right. and I've turned off the AC. <laughs> I, I keep one of those fans with me always when I'm on set. And I'm like, look, I'd rather fan myself than, than get touch-ups. <laughs> right, right. It's just crazy. You've gone from strength to strength since we first met. And I, I want to – well, you, you, you're just marvellous. I wasn't quite sure where to start with you, so – um, I think we'll we'll let you tell the story because okay. it was um, working as a cabaret singer in New York in 2008. Mm-hmm. And what were you what were you doing in New York? Um, so I graduated. I graduated from college, and then I the first thing I did was compete in the Miss Massachusetts pageant for Miss America because I my soccer team dared me to enter the pageant, and I won a local title. So I competed in state, got top 10, but didn't get a higher title. And then, um, I don't, I mean, I just always knew I wanted to be in New York and be an actor. And when I got there, I think, um, the queer community of it all, it's just such a fun, tight knit nightlife oriented community. So that's how I started. I just started, I mean, I started how many people do, which is dating a bartender. (laughs) Who would I on? Put on my list. I didn't do that. Maybe that's where I'm going You've wrong. Never <laughs> well, it wasn't my longest I'm relationship. So I did the audio engineers. There you <laughs> go. Yes, yes. Same thing. Yeah. Um, but and and just through that community, which was just my whole life for years and years, um, I ran a little theater company. But I wanted. I my goal was to be kind of a theatrical actor, and um, cabaret just took took me. 
I don't know, grabbed my hand and didn't let it go. And and then I was doing some stand-up at the time, like musical stuff, but I just didn't it, – it didn't, like, light my fire the same way that burlesque did, which is – I ended up working mostly in the burlesque circuit. But I, And I – I think when we talk about comedy or stand-up as being like a male industry or an exclusive industry, I think that's a huge part of it, which is that like when I was at cabaret shows, I didn't want to be anywhere else. I was having pleasant conversations. It was my life. And I, a lot of comedians I know, that's, that's true for them of stand-up. But it, it just wasn't quite for me. It wasn't enough glitter and too many dudes. Yeah. <laughs> I think um, we met at an acting class. Yep. And then you invited me to be in a show at three at the three clubs on yes. Vine. Yeah. And uh, and it was such a, a fabulous night. There you were in pasties and in the full <laughs> burlesque, and yeah. uh, and absolutely stunning. And Rachel Bloom from Crazy oh, Ex Girlfriend, right, with her ukulele. Yes. And um, and you were some of the funniest women that I had ever seen. And it was just such a wonderful experience. And I, I kind of knew that you you were always going to turn up on on the big screen like oh, thanks yeah all the small screen yeah oh, this um, and so the first thing you did was um that oxygen series right. um was that funny girls or was mary and jane before that no that was funny girls and it was um uh that was a horrible experience i mean what i it's it was an unscripted show. It was about stand-ups. The show kind of had a couple different iterations before it finally went to air. I'd been attached from the very beginning, and I it wasn't fun. It was like, I, I mean, I think that's why I talk about, like, I just, I don't love stand-up like that. And it was really, fun. reality's hard, man. There's people kind of trying to get you to do something, and I'm pretty, not private about my life, but I, I, I didn't need to talk about who I was dating or if I was dating and stuff like that. Anyway, it was really bad, and I, I quit everything. I was like, I'm done. <laughs> They're all nice people, by the way. And I'm still friends with the cast, incidentally. Close with a, a, yeah. most of them. But, um, yeah, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore, and I fired my reps, and then I ended up deciding I was going to kind of hail Mary, and I worked with my agent's assistant because um, he had left, and his new agency wouldn't take a meeting with me. So I went back, I took some time off and then I went to the assistant and was like, I mean, let's try. And she goes, okay. And then within the year I booked Mary and Jane, which was a scripted TV show. And from there, I think going, I love this industry. I love being kind of in the middle class of this industry, which I feel like doesn't get enough credit that I get to make what I love. Like I want to keep making things and, and make them bigger and more accessible. But um, I feel like in, showbiz is very unique that everyone's like, well, don't give up and don't. And you're like, you don't give up either. What are you a lawyer? Well, I'm sorry. You don't own the firm. You know what I mean? It's like, have I ever heard of you, sir? So I, anyway, for Mary and Jane, I kind of, yeah, for Mary and Jane, I kind of wanted to, um, start being more of a creator. And then, and then my life is pivoted towards that. So I have, now I'm, I write, I write and direct and act and stuff. Usually, at least one of the three. Rarely all three of the three. Sometimes, though, at the same yeah. time. Yeah. I think you've hit on something that's, that's important to me as well, in that I was, I was a stand-up in Australia, not particularly well-known. I was more of a lab. Anyway, that's me. But I think um, I, wanted to, I wanted to speak other people's words. Mm. Um, I, I, didn't, I was sick of being me publicly. Huh. Uh, I wanted to... I wanted to have that rich experience where I was lifting the words of a writer off off the page and working with a director, even even to the point of 
you know, being told what to do against my instincts, is it, as it were, I, I find that okay. Like, don't tell me how to parallel park, but <laughs> I all, you know, if I've got if I've got a bent on something. Uh -huh. Um, and, and I think this is the way it's going to be. And a director says, no, 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 let's do this. I'm like, oh, I'm there. Right. You know, it's fine. But I that, um, totally agree. I mean, I love, I call it my, my S&M kink. I love a tough director. No, not S&M kink. Right. I'm trying to describe what it is, but there's something very pleasing about, um, same with music producers. If someone can get you to do some, like, something on the edge of what you think you can do, I, I think Globally, that's a positive experience, right? And it's, it's very yeah. powerful. Yeah, and I think because I, yeah, artists and performers, we want someone to see something in us that we have not explored, right? Well, and uh, and so it becomes more interesting. We have a lot of keys on our keyboards, and we we want to be played, <laughs> right? Right. Um, I just have to attend to something technical. Just speak quietly amongst yourselves. Is the omelet there? She is there. I can go grab her. Introduce the world to all All right, let me grab her. I smooth me down. There we go. I love that I've just disappeared off screen. There we go. Oh. Omelette the dog, ladies and gentlemen. Omelette the dog. Hello, my darling. You want to say hi? How are you, She. She, uh, Omelette has started many of your many of your pieces. Yeah, and she hates it. <laughs> oh, she doesn't God. have her eyebrows okay. on. Though. Usually, we ha she has vintage eyebrows. I just love it. Yeah, oh, she's a real trooper. She hello, didn't say, hello. She you didn't can go to scoutthereward.com and you can buy a, a sew-on patch of Omelette the dog. <laughs> Support an artist today. <laughs> Yeah, she's one of the stars of the the thing that I'm finishing right now, and that I think that was her retirement piece. She really did not enjoy being on set. <laughs> right? Um, can you talk about what you've been writing in in oh, yeah, some yeah. way? So I have okay. So I have two projects kind of up in the air right now, and it, I think it's yeah. I I think for me, like where I'm at right now is like a, the beginning of where I want to stay for a while, which is that I have a show in development. Um, uh, with Sony and Gabrielle Union and um, and that's been moving forward network wise and so that's like a slow you know you get a lot of network notes and I like what, how we were just talking about directors I not notoriously what's positive notoriously infamously will take notes like <laughs> I I love the challenge of like an impossible note um, so that's been going on and that's a show just about queer relationships and it, I am so proud of it and like development hell is called development hell for a reason because it is kind of an infinite journey and you never know. My mom will be like, haven't we already celebrated that? And I'm like, I hear, I hear you. It sounds like I'm at the same level, but um, there's so many, you know, there's so many hurdles to jump over before, before a TV hits the screen. And look, I'm a drinker. I got to celebrate every accomplishment <laughs> with a toast. Um, and then I have my second visual album coming out well it's getting finished soon but basically I'm on a music label and we did the first album as a digital series called Take One Thing Off which is all on YouTube and then I did a second album and then COVID happened so we got stuck with the visual album where we'd shot all of the narrative and half of the music videos and then it was COVID so we ended up ha having to 
split the album into two EPs. I had to deliver the music videos. And then now finally the narrative is getting, um, is getting finished. But that's, and that's what Anglet is in. She is not in my okay. network TV show too much. Ugh. Two things that you've raised there that I want to talk to you about. Yeah. Firstly, being a queer artist, um, you're working a lot in, in the queer genre. And I don't suppose that I would ever say to a straight actor, why are you always working in the straight genre? Um, but is that something that you you uh, are deliberately working within? Is that what you meant by your mother saying, haven't we already celebrated this? Um, or is there work to be done? Are you more comfortable there? How does it all work for, for you? I, I think it's three things. And one is that I... I think you naturally hang out with people you have things in common with. Like, same as stand-up. The, my queer world, I don't know, like, I'm around people I want to date. Like, when I'm going out, I'm going to go be around. So I do think there is a sense of, like, that's my network. Those are my friends. Um, I do have some straight friends, I'm sure, somewhere. But I think it's just, it's sharing a major common interest. So I, I think that's part of it. And especially in this business, you know, you work with people you like working with. I hire my friends yep. or I get more excited to work, you know, or my friends hire me. Um, two is I think um, this year did something that has never happened before, which is that all of a sudden all these things that were really niched became really desired and mainstream. So, like, I think it happened along racial lines Maybe even more. No, I think race and gender, like, where all of a sudden it was like, you couldn't be trans for a really long time. And now that's, that's very, you know, it's, it, we want gender inclusion. We want gender representation. So I joke that the reason my, did, my show didn't sell five years ago is the reason it sold when it did. It's just timing and, and you can't really control that. So I guess it's kind of like where I find myself in life, where the industry finds itself and what parts of me it it once I, the show I sold I hadn't it wasn't a pit they passed on my show they were like oh no thanks on that but that thing you said about your life is really interesting and that's wow. the show I mean it's not now it's not right now. is that a, a, ostensibly what happened yeah yeah oh yeah I mean and it was such a like it's such a funny I've been up all night for a year basically editing take one thing off and I, I think the night before I hadn't slept and I walked in and was just, just overshared. <laughs> I didn't know what I'd done, but I've been told I was. So, yeah. But I. That is a story. Yeah. You know, that is, because that is the ultimate. We do get paid for being ourselves and, and we do ultimately get cast for that something within us that, that, that they see, in my case, a homeless woman. But is that your they, type? The, well, it was. That was the last <laughs> feature that I, as a as a homeless woman, I'm not dying to promote it because the makeup is extraordinary. Yeah. But um, a lot of makeup. Um, <laughs> Well, I can't even post that yet because uh, no. because it hasn't been released. Run, sweetheart, run! But I'm I'm excited for it. Um, the other thing that you were talking about um, was being with a label and producing a visual album. Um, the the landscape of music production and releasing music and being an artist has changed so much um, in the past 10, 20 years, um, and. So one of the things that's being done now are these visual albums. And, I mean, do you have to go on tour to to 
earn your worth as an artist or, or can you do that through the visual stuff on no. YouTube? I don't make my living as a musician, not even close. And I, I didn't mean to get involved in the music industry, but then I did. And I, it made me feel really bad about myself because it's a very, it's a very money industry. And, and then at the same time, you know, you have like bedroom producers and like Billie Eilish and I, I don't know. The music industry doesn't make any sense to me. I started doing visual albums because I love my job. I am fairly obsessive about liking to stay busy. So it was a thing that I could do. Filmmaking, it's a thing I know how to do. Music is much more opaque to me, like, because you have to be a personality and tour and social media. And, and I mean, look, nothing's a meritocracy for sure. It, not only is it subjective, it's corporate. But yeah, I don't, I mean... I love singing. It is a hobby that I get paid to do. When I tried to make it more than that, I was unhappy and not productive. So now I'm just a film. I mean, I, I've started to say filmmaker. I'm a comedian. <laughs> but I make stuff that usually makes me laugh. And if anybody asks me to sing, I'll say yes. That song that you wrote about the wedding was <laughs> the funniest thing. What was that line where she's like, I want to party. Yeah. And I want to drink. Yeah, like you really tap the zeitgeist of, of why in the 21st century, educated, intelligent women get all excited to be given from their father to another man, <laughs> wrapped, with wrapped, and to spend ostensibly their college education fund on getting married, right? Oh my God! Well, again, I'm queer, and so I think there's things like that. Like I think when you get outside of a structure, you can look back on it and go what are we doing? And especially like, sometimes you'll learn about another culture or something and their mating rituals, I guess, for lack of a better phrase, are so interesting. But then I'll sometimes see like straight people and be like, ugh, how do you guys, like you guys have nothing in common. <laughs> or like the concept of like dick pics or ghosting, all this stuff that I was like, I, you guys get that this is arbitrary and insane. And my rituals are too. I mean, arguably like, you know, my tactic of like, if you want to, if you want to partner, perform a lot and then go home with someone in the audience. I mean, that's just as random, but yeah. Well, it is. I mean, straight. Uh, <laughs> I also wonder at the at the traditional notion of the white dress and the and the gift list. Um, but uh, you know, queer women also cop that whole thing about the Subaru station wagon. <laughs> And the, uh, and the U-Haul, like the U-Haul packing up within three days of meeting someone, right? Very true. I've done it. Not in a U-Haul. Okay. I've moved someone out in a U-Haul. <laughs> Take Fountain with Ella James. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, um... When it comes to the songs, do you, what instruments do you play? I know you play the ukulele. So I work in pretty tight collaboration with Dave Darling, who's my producer. He, um, so I was playing the role of blues musician Janova Magnus in uh, like a backers presentation for a musical about her life. And her producer, Dave Darling, was like, do you want to do an album on this label that I just started, Blue Alon? And I was like, I, no, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm a comedian. And he's like, eh. So he, I write with him. I play the ukulele. I write comedies, like stand-up songs on the ukulele. Um, but I, I yeah, I, I, to, I top line my own music or sometimes I'll come in with most of an idea. But I can't, I think it's part of why I made a visual album is like I can, I know how to, I know how to touch more buttons in filmmaking than I do in music. And if I had it my way, I would just have like a really talented uh, band leader and just always play with a live jazz band and, and just have to sing. But Do you have a favorite genre of music that you like to sing? Oh, standards. I mean, I, look, I'm over like Fever and Mac the Knife. Well, Men Mac the Knife is really hard to memorize, as is Fever. Um, but I, I really love, I kind of live around... Like Nina Simone, I write to a lot of jazz. I write to like um, Hazel Scott. I write to a lot. Yeah, I, someone, uh, someone. I think it's a documentary or something, but it was a black musician, and they made the joke that in the fifties and sixties that white people sang like they didn't have anything to sing about. And I was like, especially when you look at like Bubblegum, and like you know, here we are going like my boyfriend's back, and I there's this chunk of music happening like Harlem jazz at the same time that it's just bleeding feelings. So, yeah. I don't I don't love a lot of modern music. <laughs> right. Awful. Is it a is it a is it a dream one day to release an album of standards? Yeah, I mean, I look, I think that actor wanting to sing standards is a bit hack at this point, but I do like I love like Black Coffee, um like I which isn't, that's not even that obscure, but I, I do keep a list of songs I want to cover. I don't know if I'm, what I'm going to do music wise next, but one of the ideas on the table is to do a, a cabaret album and to take songs from different um, genres or different eras and, and kind of unify them tonally. Cause look, I'm, I still think live music is what you make with instruments. I mean, don't get me wrong. I perform to tracks. Like I don't often get to do that, but Boy, oh boy, do I love being a drunk lady on stage in an evening gown with a band. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's my best the, This <laughs> No, just that, I was just, yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, this last 18 months then with the with COVID and everything shutting down, um, how did that lack of live performance impact you? When I left New York for L.A., I flew into a depression because... I made my living in New York. I kind of had everything I wanted. Like I would get recognized on the street enough to make me feel seen. Um, I had a really intimate relationship with my audience. They, 
it felt like we were exchanging moments. Like it was a very tangible experience and it made my living doing it. And um, I think I said twice because when I got to LA, that's not a thing. Comedians talk about it too, where you can't make your money live here. So I waited tables for the first time and I was just, I, and I don't know that I totally recovered from that, to be honest. I, I still kind of huff and puff about the culture of live performance in LA COVID, I mean, I sent me to another depression. <laughs> I'm actually a pretty happy-go-lucky person. Um, and I quit. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I didn't want to do, I didn't want to hustle for all these little live shows. I wanted to sit still and write. And I didn't think I was going to come back like I have to live performance. But number one, people have, you know, I'm again, I mean, you, you asked about like queer, like I started doing live shows again because I went to my friend who's queer it's a birthday party and we all sang along and everyone was like, when's your show coming back? The queer community loves it. Like we need it. We are chosen family. And so I was like, we're doing a show. <laughs> so now I've been back, but I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I miss it. I'm also older, like, and I've also done it. I was thinking about it today because we do a stand up show once a month at um, Jam in the Van. And we get a bunch of sponsors and it's so great. And um, this woman came up to me last night at the show and she gave me her card and she makes like pasties and like, you know, glitter and stuff. And I was like, man, and I thought that for a minute, my co-host and I, because he and I look a lot alike, but obviously he's a dude, go on stage. I was like, we, we should both wear pasties on stage. And I was thinking about it today and I was like, boy, have I done that? I don't know if I got to schlep the old B cups out again. well certainly i can't be doing it i can do you so can darling they'd be on my knees no (laughs) that's spoken from an out burlesque is very we don't care we love we love a dangly a dangly bit we love a dangly boob um i think um one of the things that i've seen amongst a lot of my uh friends uh, in LA was that they were so impacted financially by COVID and um, uh, being able to access support. And, um, and many of them, there, there were just no gigs because there were no, there were no gigs. You know, there were no um, do a comedy show and make sure all your friends come and we'll pay you 50 bucks. But there also, there were no uh, bartending jobs. There were no cafe jobs. I mean, everything just shut down and, and at first it was really depressing, but then I noticed everybody kind of huddled inside and started getting into content creation. Um, have you seen that amongst your friends? Like, how are people handling it all? Yes, and there's a new crop of, especially TikTok. TikTok, people got really big followings really fast. Uh, you know, through the first show, live show we did back, Threesome in the Park, a bunch of our crowd came because um, a performer had gotten big on TikTok and started a thing like a, you know, anyway, it was like, this isn't like starts throwing events or curating events. And so she posted it and a ton of her followers came out. So I'm grateful that someone's doing it. My label was like, do more TikTok. And I was like, nope. <laughs> I make, <laughs> I don't, I don't think like that. And for me, I've tried. I, it's not my language. So, I mean, I kind of love being the elder gay now and getting to be like, back in my day, we did have bars. Like, you're the reason oh, they were closed. Yeah. 
in the gay world. Hang on, that's the thing, right? I, I went to a friend's birthday and Not realized. Well, yeah, I went to a friend's birthday and realized it would be age inappropriate for me to date a bunch of people there. And I was like, oh, right. That happened. It, I, I dug it. I was always the baby. My friends in New York were always older than me. So, so I dug. I like being like, you know, 10 years older than everybody. I find yeah. it endearing. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, and I, I, I hope you're open to it, but you and Omelette the dog. <laughs> <laughs> I'm choking. Stay with us. Um, you and Omelette. You and Omelette the dog have uh, have eschewed apartment living and you <laughs> bought a van and headed off into the sunset. Like it sounds terribly romantic. <laughs> Do you like it? Like how how cool is it? It was, was it wonderful. Uh, no, I mean yes, we bought a van, but the, like right now I'm at my friend um, Ashley's house, who I stay at when I'm in the city. I bought the van, sublet my apartment. I think the truth of it was I wasn't in the right apartment, so. I'm moving into a little tiny home um, in the fall, like a little ADU, because I don't, I like only being outside. But no, the van in the city sucks. And outside of the city, oh my God. I mean, the learning curve of going from like, I live in an apartment, I drive a Prius to like, here's a van, figure it out. You break stuff, you hit stuff. No, I hit a, one little thing at a gas. I'm fine. I don't mean like you hit, that sounded like I'm like, <laughs> A serial killer. Um, it's really challenging, but I, it is a calmness that I have never experienced. And also, I work in a really difficult industry to plan, and I'm often attached to something late in the game. So, like, you know what it's like to leave LA and then you get a call back for Tide, and you're like, well, this isn't going to change my life, but I could sure use the check right now. And then you regret leaving. So, COVID was the first time I was like, now or never, dude. So now the fact that I can disappear for weeks at a time is great. Because outside of LA, it's so nice. It's hard to like be outside of LA and make sure you have enough internet that you can send and receive stuff and do self tapes and all that. But when yeah. you can just be doing van life, very cool. How safe do you feel as a woman? Hundred percent. Like, um, yeah. One of the things I've really tried to work on this year is reminding myself I'm not prey. I think that part of the way I, white women in particular are influenced by the patriarchy are held back is by being taught that, that um, someone needs to have our back because like, we need a protector because the world is so dangerous. Um, yeah. that's, a, a lot of women ask me that. And then I asked another woman who was like in her 60s and she's a solo van lifer and she was like, I've never once been scared. She's like, sometimes if you're around, you know, depending on where you are, there can be people you don't want to interact with. And so you kind of just choose not to. But no, I mean, and the other thing is that if you're like way out in the sticks, then there's like, you can just be logical and avoid um, nature. Like nature doesn't scare me because for me to get like attacked by a bear or an interaction with a coyote... I would have had to have made a few steps that I know better than to take, you know? And then as far as other yeah. people go, there aren't that many like roaming serial killers in on the planet. And the odds of one finding me way out in the boonies, pretty low. So and if you are around other people in van life, the community is incredible. Like you just make right. friends instantly, instantly. Yeah. And I cut myself really badly on this last trip opening a package of tempeh and just went to the guy next to me and was like, Hey John, 
does this look like I need stitches? And he's like, nah, you're good. Yeah. Let's wrap it up. Instagram and I was like yes you do <laughs> it's so cute look at that you can't even I don't even need to wear the band-aid anymore amazing. that's amazing I'm glad I'm glad John was there <laughs> I think that um, that's also one of the things about COVID like I started um, just reaching out to older people in my community to make sure that you know they're okay doing some shopping for them if I was cooking I love to cook so um, and I haven't met many people in LA who like to cook. Now everybody's going to come at me, but it was like, don't at me. <laughs> but seriously, oh yes, I cook something here. It's a, been a box and I put it in a microwave and I'm like, that's not what I'm talking about. So I would make like a moussaka or an apple pie or something and hand around slices. And I love doing stuff like that because otherwise I'm making something and I'm freezing five and eating one. Yeah. And I've just... You know, I'm like, kill surprise when I open the freezer door. But that was kind of, um, that was kind of nice. That sense of what you're talking about, that sense of community gives us a sense of belonging. Well, I know? think it would be really hard too being, I mean, that your family is so far away, right? I yeah, up, they're dead. Oh, they're all dead. Okay. So they're in a whole other they're dimension. Dead. I have a tremendous amount of freedom. Yeah, although they still tell you what to do in your head. Like, there's no freedom. <laughs> Dead parent rides no freedom. <laughs> My living parents, they were the reason I got the van. They were like, you are nothing if not unconventional. Do it! And I was oh, like, I oh, I'm going to go broke. And they were like, mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> your parents, um, are your parents, oh God, I, I'm digging myself a hole here. Are they eccentric and fabulous? No. Or did you have? Okay, so you had a very, I don't know what standard is, but a standard upbringing, like? Well, okay. I think my dad is eccentric, but he's not, I had a pretty standard upbringing, and then things got sad, and then they got weird, and now my mom and I are really, really close, and she helps me with my scripts, usually by getting something so wrong that I'm like, well, whatever I come up with can't be as bad as that, <laughs> but, um, no, and or my family's very creative. My dad's a cartoonist. Um, he worked in corporate stuff for a long time. No, mm -hmm. and both my sisters have human. Like my sisters are Claire and Annie. I don't know. They they knew me before I knew me. <laughs> before pasties, um, you just said something about your mother getting things so wrong. I my mother was a like a very Lady Bracknell, the Queen. Yes, yeah, I've seen your show. That just sounds crushing. Oh. Of course, right. But um, where she was funny was, I don't know whether she deliberately got things wrong or just deliberately didn't listen, but I was the co-host of a breakfast radio program and the station was called Today FM and my co-host's name was Dean Matters. <laughs> and my mother would blithely say to people, my daughter's working today with Dean Martin. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like... No, I'm not, you know, just that. But it was so wrong yeah. that I have subsequently been able to use all of her material, which is which is a beautiful thing. But I think, you know, I, 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 I joked about the dead parents. This time has been really good, not having to worry about loved ones across the country or across the ocean. Yeah. Like, I didn't have to rush back to Australia you know, to be with anybody. And I'm so blessed by that because there are 34,000 Aussies stranded overseas yeah. because the Australian borders are closed. Oh, that's right. You can't go at all. 
So, and I know, you know, a lot of my friends here, as soon as things started to open up, they were straight on a plane, you know, to wherever they came from, Chicago or New York, so that they could have this, well, you know, like every year before that, it was like, oh, God, Thanksgiving, and I have to go back and see my parents, and they're going to tell me what to do. And then this year, last year, it was like, I can't get home for Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, totally. My family doesn't celebrate holidays. Um, we started the practice of random visits and it's much better for us. I was in town over Thanksgiving by accident, but we refused yeah. to celebrate. <laughs> where is home home? Where, where are your parents still where you were raised? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm from Kansas city. Um, it's a hell of a town. No, I love it. Uh, there's a lot of arts and it's like my mom lives in an apartment now in a really cool community that's like kind of undergoing a lot of fusion and the Midwest and Kansas City in particular like certainly racially has a complicated history and a history of a lot of like white flight and and kind of legal or de facto like de jure or de facto segregation but my mom's neighborhood right now has like is just this wonderful artistic like it's been really cool to, to watch her. And then my dad lives in the house I grew up in. So it's kind of cool to like sit in your childhood bedroom, which there's no furniture in it anymore. The upstairs is my sister's room and my room, nothing else. So my dad at one point just cleaned everything out and they just sit like, I keep threatening to shoot a horror movie there. And he's like, go for it. But I'll just like sit in the empty room of my childhood and go, like, it's so small. I had no idea how small it was. Yeah. It was my world. I mean, I because I, I grew up watching so many American movies, I can't imagine somebody's bedroom not having pink walls, a white bed with a, a little four-poster thing, and, um, you know, the, the, the <clears throat> what do you call it, the pennant for diving or baseball yeah. or something, right? And all your dolls on the, on a like, who does that? Who lives like that? I, I mean, that's pretty close. Yeah. Well, I was, I was odd. I, my parents got divorced when I was 14. And so my room at my mom's house had all my medals, not pennants from all my right. stuff. And then my dad's room, I like had all the milk ads. I would like fish through magazines and find all the got milk ads. My wall was covered with that because my older sister collected absolute vodka ads. So I, I thought I needed to be just like her, but better. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. That's so sweet. Oh, I yeah. I had that. like a trampoline in my backyard, played with the neighbor kids, walked down to the pool on the, it was like a mile away. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. Well, I'm certainly glad that you didn't become Miss America because <laughs> I think the world missed out on everything else that you've done. Um, people can go to your website, scoutderwood.com, mm -hmm. and check out all your stuff. And please go to your shop and support an artist. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, this stuff that you're working on with Sony, does it have a name? Like, can we watch out for it? Do, do you have a release date or is it a way away? It's just still in. I don't know. It's, it's, we are, we just had another, I don't know how else to say it, like iteration. We just got a big change. So um, we're waiting on honestly some paperwork right now and then I'll have more info, but we just changed, the show just changed direction. Okay. I don't know how else to say it. I don't know what I'm allowed to say. But uh, Utopia, I have a bunch of music videos out right now and then the narrative companion to it, which is a feature length piece, is will be finished soon and then we'll decide how we want to release it. But that's, yeah. But Comedy Electronica, follow me on the Instagram. Exciting. 
follow me on Instagram. Yes. Um, at Scout Durwood. Are you um, Scout Durwood on yes. Insta as well? Okay. Yep. Um, I'm, I am so glad I met you. You too. Uh, I, I'm just so thrilled. You're so talented and I'm so thrilled that it's all coming, you know, like it's a – I was talking with a producer-writer this morning and talking about how how things have to happen and and when they happen and then you look back, it's like, ah, I see that now. But at the right. time, oh, God, it's such a – I mean, it, it – LA has torn me apart yes. and put me back together again, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, I don't know. I think has- maybe uh, an easy, effortless fame in my early 20s would have been. No, I agree. I feel really lucky for my journey. And I like yeah. the voice I've developed and the fearlessness because yeah. it's like, what, what am I scared of? Not working? Come on. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. Well, my darling, I can't wait to see what happens. I will make sure that um, the audience knows when something does and it'll probably be tomorrow and then tomorrow and then tomorrow. So you take care and love to omelette the dog. Thank you. And uh, we'll keep in touch. Thank you so much. It was so great talking with you. Bye. Thank you, Scout Derwood. You've been listening to Take Fountain with Ella James. Available at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio or your favourite podcast player. You can also stream on demand at Bytes.com. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com.